Hello, and welcome back to the Embodied and Sovereign podcast. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of having Anna Rova. Anna is a feminine embodiment coach, uh, an expert in masculine and feminine polarity, and the creator of the program Claimed, where women learn how to embrace and embody their feminine power and attract a committed masculine man. Um, Anna and I have also been in some of the same circles, and I'm doing some work with her actually right now, which I'm really excited about. And we've both gone through Jenna Ward's program through the School of Embodied Arts, and I've admired her work, her voice, and clarity in the wisdom that she has, and her light-hearted light and no-nonsense approach um, that she has with a subject that can so often be weighed down by heavy feelings of uh, like failure and heartbreak and hopelessness. She currently lives in beautiful Byron Bay, Australia with her husband and her young daughter and is expecting a, another little one in August. So Anna, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Megan. What a great introduction. Thank you. I'm going to have to take these notes and put them on my website because my introduction is definitely outdated. <laughs> Yours sounds a lot better. So thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Oh, thank you. So first question um, that I like to ask uh, is, can you just share a little bit about your own personal journey of discovering feminine embodiment? Just kind of what, what led you to this work? Hmm. Yeah, such a good question. And I'm also interested in, 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 in this and in your journey, Megan, because every every journey is different, right? And I feel like right. so many of us who have stumbled upon feminine embodiment as a coaching modality. Well, I don't know, everybody's different, but I'll tell you my journey. I did not want to be a coach. And I did not want to, I didn't even know what feminine embodiment is, wh what this is about and why. What I knew is that we, so just to give a bit of background, I worked in online marketing, email marketing specifically for quite a few years um, in a big uh, personal growth company. And so, uh, and, and then I changed jobs and started traveling the world, met my husband, all of that. And so, but I was always entrepreneurial. Like there was a lot of fire in me. I just didn't know what the hell to do with it or where should I go um and so I you know on the side when I started exploring polarity and all of that I started my podcast like my first podcast interviewing men and it was fun and whatever and so when things started to get serious um and by serious I mean when I met my masculine man and he was the one to actually push me into you know pursuing my passion and saying well what what do you because I, I, I just quit my job my online marketing job it was dry it was empty for me and it was not fulfilling. Um, so I was looking for for a way to do what I love and what I like. And for me, that was that subject that I started to explore a few years back about relationships and men. Like I was obsessed with men. I, mm. you know, exploring this subject of feminine, masculine and stumbling upon polarity for me was the biggest aha moment of my life. And I'm so glad I did it because now obviously you know, mm. I have a successful program and I help women with all of that. So, 
Um, I s- I, and, and everything for me started with a podcast. I started my podcast, my second podcast called Girl Skill Now Claimed in October 2017. Mm. And so I started with just exploring this idea of redefining female success and what it means and, and what it is uh, not according to female empowerment current terms mm. that didn't sit right with me. Um, because there's a lot of masculine energy, but actually exploring what it is to be a woman and how do I do this because this masculine way of uh, showing up and work and relationship doesn't work for me. So that was in October and in January, so we're talking about October, November, December, basically about three, four months, as I was interviewing women and I interviewed a woman who mentioned Jenna Ward Mm. on her podcast, on, on our interview. And I, you know, as I was preparing my show notes and things like that, I went to Jenna's website and I saw this kind of, this webinar, I think she was doing like a webinar and there was a coaching, feminine embodiment coaching certification. And I saw the word feminine, obviously that applied to me. But then there was this coaching certification. I don't even know how... You know, like I just signed up for a discovery call because in that moment of that podcast, I was exploring different kind of um, business models, like what is this going to be? What are we going to sell? So I didn't know anything. I just had a passion for a subject. Mm -hmm. And so when I stumbled upon her certification, her, her, her page spoke to me, so I signed up for a discovery call, and oh my God, Megan, Jenna will tell you. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm probably still the, the one student that she has who has grilled her on that discovery call, like literally <laughs> that discovery call. She still laughs, laughs about it, because um, I was just asking her so many questions. I still I think I recorded the whole call. I said, look, my husband needs to listen to this, because <laughs> if I'm to invest in this, we're going to discuss it, blah, blah. So anyways, we got on a discovery call. I then discussed it with String, and um, it just felt right. Like, I didn't know what it was. And it just, ah, oh, Jenna. I'm still working with Jenna. Je- Jenna is my long, long-time mentor and mm. friend now and everything. So that's how I stumbled upon it. And to be honest with you, Megan, I didn't realize the power of this work, the depth of this work. How is this going to change my life but most importantly, how am I going to be able to bring that unique modality into working with women and helping them achieve the success that they're achieving in their relationships now? If you ask me what is the unique selling point of this program when I interview my clients, they say embodiment is the missing piece. Mm. So I am forever grateful um, that I stumbled upon it. But as I said, it was kind of like, oh, I wonder what this <laughs> is. You know, this feels, feels good. And that's why mm. I'm such a big fan of listen to what you're feeling in your body and make decisions in, a, in an embodied way and then your head you know comes after yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it <laughs> um yeah so you've shared on um many platforms already like kind of what led you to creating this program claimed and kind of the heartbreak of like a failed relationship and leading you to interview these hundreds of men and discovering how much you didn't actually understand about men and like their own unique struggles and um like what you've shared in this aspect has been so enlightening for me as well like actually in an embodied sense where like I know that you know I can't understand what it's like to be a man because I'm not I'm not a man um but I realized I was kind of using that as an excuse to not um 
try to put myself in their shoes and like really get like engage more and get to know like okay what are the unique differences and in, in our struggles and actually f- try to feel that in my body too like not just intellectualize it but feel it but um so that I just has been like a huge like embodied epiphany for me which I'm so grateful for <laughs> um but I just, I just wonder, like you kind of touched on this already that you never really wanted to be a coach, but like, did, you know, what did little, little Anna uh, see herself doing, you know, when she grew up? Like, did she ever see this coming, like this kind of work? No. <laughs> All right. Before I answer this question, Megan, let yeah. me just close my window because there's a motorcycle outside of my home. Like, what's going on? Hang on one moment. Yeah. All right, sorry about that. Um, yeah, just a quick comment on the men. Um, the, mm-hmm. the, the, what you said, Megan, is, is I mean, there's, there's, there's a few major parts to what we do in the claim program, and every woman comes with her own unique experience and her, um, obviously, situation and, and belief system and all of that. For some women, it's the feminine embodiment is the missing piece, right? you are an embodiment coach for you that's probably not the missing piece but in this context it might be Mm. um and so one of the biggest aha moments for women is the the discovery of the masculine journey that we women do not know about Mm. we are not taught it we um do not have the tools and knowledge we don't talk to men about this at all you know so for a lot of women it's that revelation it's that sense of empathy and actually when I discovered this I was in awe of what men go through and what they have to deal with and when we really look at that side of the coin because it's you know a lot of women today are like I'm doing the work how Mm -hmm. about the men step up you know and I feel like there's so much um there's a lack of empathy for men for for the masculine journey, especially in today's times when masculinity is pretty much equals to the word toxic. Mm. And so sometimes I just, you know, I through this work and I know that so many women just really open their eyes to their experience, their their um, unique rites of passages that are very, very different to women. You know, like I think the other week I watched a really good movie called Cherry on Apple Apple TV. I don't know if you've heard or seen mm-hmm. it. And it was about this guy who enrolled into the army and went to Iraq. And obviously he came back and struggled with PTSD and everything. And just these experiences and by talking to men, I'm like, women today have no freaking idea. If we are in a war, who goes to war? The men are going to go to war. And we just are so disconnected from that, from some of these things that are very raw. You know, we, we, we get bogged down with our day-to-day kind of things and careers and things like that. We live in a very safe world if we compare it to how it was, you know, even 50 years mm-hmm. ago. So, you know, when I watch these movies and I watch this man go through his struggle and his PTSD, his life is completely ruined men go to war men protect and provide you know and and the the effects of that and the consequences of that for generations and generations are just 
so profound and women do not think about this and we don't know about this so anyways this was just an example of how I think about this and it was a major revelation for me and I was so, so passionate um, to bring this to the women of the world because when you discover that you, a lot of empathy is created and you're like wow yeah I can see why you know I can see why he's not emotional I can see what's on the other side of that how can I remove myself from this drama and the story that I created in my head about how he's abandoning me and he's not doing this and this and that and how can I actually understand what are his needs and all of that so anyway it's just kind of a parenthesis there <laughs> but in terms of your question uh, th did I grow up no I grew up uh, in a very dysfunctional family you know I, I grew up in the poorest country in Europe my mom passed away when I was really young I was eight my mother was, my, my father was completely emotionally unavailable. Then he married this like crazy woman. So anyways, the first 17 years of my life were a disaster. Well, from the moment I was eight to 17, so pretty much that 10 year period was just horrible. Um, and so, but I did, to answer your question, I always knew that, you know, I am an ENTJ, which is like, you know, I think 1% of the world in terms of personality. I'm extremely ambitious. My girlfriend tell me, I didn't even know this about myself. They're like, you're the most ambitious person I know. I'm like, what? Because <laughs> I don't feel different. I don't feel special. Well, there's something in me and always has been there. And Megan, my daughter seems to have my personality. <laughs> to and I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to have to deal with when she's a teenager? Because when I was a teenager, it was literally like I either go to jail I'm going to become a millionaire. I'm definitely. Well, she'll have, she'll have your support though. <laughs> yeah, she will. But I have to kind of, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Anyways, I was, I was, I, I was always a natural leader. There was something in me that was bigger than me. A lot of energy, a lot of like, you know, I can hold space naturally. Mm -hmm. Um, so I knew great things are waiting, uh, you know, and there was quite a few things that started when I was 17. I went to the U.S. to, I won like a high school exchange program and I lived there uh, for a year that transformed my life completely. And then a series of events led me to where I am today. So if you ask me, would I be a coach? Would I be talking you know, teaching women how to attract <laughs> masculine men? Absolutely not. But I knew, I knew that there was fire in me and that I was, I was going to do some sort of great things, you know, but I didn't know what that was. And so, yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love, like, I do think there's always this essence when we're children of like something greater, something bigger, like a, a feeling of a dream, whether, you know, however that actually turns out can be you know, varying degrees, but, um, mm -hmm. yeah. So the also recently, I don't remember where I heard you say this or if it was on one of your podcasts or something, but some, something somewhere recently, I heard you say something to the effect of, um, like 50, 50 is like codependent and then like a hundred and a hundred, a hundred is, sovereign interdependence um would you I and when I heard this I just like immediately got got the you know what you were trying to say of um yeah just what you were trying to say and I just would like mm -hmm. 
to hear you explain a little bit more about what that means and kind of how sovereignty um, also plays a vital role in healthy, thriving, intimate relationships. Yeah, so let's address the 50-50 question. I don't think I, I said those exact words that 50-50 is codependent because um, we can explore that. I don't necessarily think it's codependent because there are 50-50 relationships that seem to be working. I feel like it just doesn't have the depth and the polarity that mm. um, the feminine and the masculine is looking for. So I wrote an article on, on Medium um, called why a 50-50 relationship doesn't work and won't make you happy, mm. which is not the same as um, yeah. it's codependent. <laughs> yeah. you know. So if anybody's curious about that, I would just Google 50 slash 50 Anna Rova and you'll find my podcast episode about this and, and my article. But pretty much um, how I look at this is you know, I, I basically in the article talk, talk about three different scenarios of how to divide the pie and the pie I'm talking about is basically the relationship pie um, that we come together to co-create with with men, women and men. And obviously, I'm talking about heterosexual relationships. I'm talking about women who are attracted to men, men are attracted to women. And so the three scenarios that I describe, um, <laughs> it's interesting. I'm not remembering as I'm looking uh, through this. So the first scenario that we see in, in terms of this is all through the eyes of polarity. The first scenarios that I see in women and men and in relationships is really that I call I called it the workhorse. Mm. It's the 3070. Mm. It's where the woman is the the man, pretty much in traditional terms, where she's the breadwinner, she's making the most decisions, she's in control. Um, she is the protector and the provider, pretty much, mm -hmm. of the family, of the relationship. And the guy is, is simply following, um, and, and he's more in his feminine energy, so to say. And so that dynamic doesn't work because, well, for some people it might, uh, but for most relationships it doesn't work. And in fact, a lot of the clients, a lot of the women who join our program are exactly in this scenario. They have been in this scenario sometimes for 15 10, 15, 20 years, they've mm. been married to these men and they're completely burnt out, exhausted. They've had children with these men and these men are basically another child, mm. have been the third, fifth child that they mm. had to parent. And now they're realizing that's not for me. I don't want that. I want a different type of a relationship. So the second scenario which you talk about is, uh, well, which you mentioned is the 50-50 scenario, which is quite common today and it's also I feel like the one that's being mostly promoted um, because what is 50-50? 50 is equality, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so the premise of the 50-50 relationship, I call it actually depolarization. Uh, that's what I call that. But the premise of the 50-50 relationship is like we come together as equal partners and we contribute equally in all parts of our relationship, which includes, you know, financial decisions, um, money decisions, family decisions, every single part of your relationship is divided into this 50-50 equal game. Which look, for a lot of couples work. I'm not gonna sit here and say it doesn't. For a lot of couples work. However, and this becomes very, very apparent when women start to have children. When, well, not women, but when as a family unit you get together. I mean, this could be very apparent even before you create a family, but it really, it climaxes when 
children come on board mm. because when children come you know before you have a child with a man you're in a relationship you're both working it's kind of yeah sure we split the pie equally he brings it he pays half of the rent i pay half of the rent mm. he does half of the chores i do half of the chores well first of all the problem with all of that actually begins very mm. early because then if you're doing the 50 50 thing and you don't really uh necessarily understand polarity and how it works in men and women that we are different we have different needs in relationships the problem is it becomes a tit-for-tat game so many women are caught up in this thing well i cook dinner now mm-hmm. you wash the dishes um i did this today now you do that so it's almost like we're starting to keep score yeah and this is this is a purely female thing where men do not think like that they would rather do the garbage, do this and this for her to leave him alone, you know, mm. but she's the one who's because it's feminine nature. We're very, very giving. We're very, very nurturing and we tend to overgive. We mm-hmm. don't know how to receive. We don't know how to put ourselves first. And so we give, 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 expecting that the guy will just meet us exactly halfway. But it doesn't work like that because our needs are different. So problems start to happen before that. But when it becomes very apparent, when it became apparent to me is when I got pregnant. So all of the concepts that I've been exploring theoretically, you mm-hmm. know, all these years before an interview men and uh, what I'm going through now, because, you know, I'm pregnant now, I'm 30 weeks now mm-hmm. with my second. Same thing, right? Like as soon as I got pregnant, find out nausea, nausea hits, you know, and it hits most women. That first trimester is just ex- excruciating. I always said you can once you get pregnant and once your body and nature and instincts take over, you can throw all of your feminism slogans out <laughs> of the window because you cannot work. I mean, some women can, like those lucky women who do who are like, I love being pregnant. Like, you know, but <laughs> but most women in my experience, thi- like you're growing a human. And so it takes a huge toll on your body and your nervous system and everything. And so what happens is that you realize, shit, I got to rely on my man. And if my man isn't working or is following or whatever and is not able to provide you're like oh my god i gotta work and i gotta grow a human so that's a lot now in the workhorse scenario that is the worst scenario that you can experience as a woman but then and a lot of women go through that but then in the 50 50 scenario that also becomes problematic because now it's that 50 percent of the pie even when we look at the financial contribution that a woman brings in her 50 that 50 is gone well i mean it's not really gone because women have to go to work you know unfortunately you know you have to take medication a lot of the time from nausea and you just but if you ask pregnant women do you want to go to work she's going to say absolutely Mm -hmm. not i just want to lay down but you can't and so they drag themselves to work until that week of 36 weeks 38 weeks until Mm -hmm. they finally can be done and they can rest prepare for labor so you know when children become and then of course the woman carries the child the woman births the child and the woman nurses the child obviously if she chooses but when i looked at the you know i'm a huge like i dived into this work so deep to the depth of evolutionary psychology Mm. and biology all of this polarity stuff can be so um esoteric and energetic Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm very much down to earth if you know me Mm -hmm. i really ask myself the question why you know it's not like oh feminine masculine yeah it feels right but like why so when we look at the roots of this whole polarity and why this is true 
it actually goes down to evolutionary psychology and mostly into paternal investment, maternal and paternal investment, parental investment, sorry. So on average, it takes about three to four years f per child for a woman to get pregnant, give birth, and then nurse and take care of the child. And so it's very different. There's no 50-50 when it comes mm -hmm. to pregnancy. <laughs> birth like yeah my husband yeah. was there doing some acupressure <laughs> and IQ, you know when i was pushing a baby out of my vagina but like he has no freaking idea and yeah. so when a woman experiences ch children and when it gets down to the raw stuff of family this is where these things become very very apparent because mm -hmm. i cannot contribute 50 percent like you in pretty much i would say almost everything Mm. how we manage households you know that article talks about why women are so obsessed about decorating like you know Megan you look at my background now mm -hmm. I moved to a new house it's almost a blank wall with some stupid template painting <laughs> on the wall every time I show up with a client or an apology I'm like this is not okay I need to do something about this background right mm -hmm. um, I wake up and I put on makeup I I care about the fact that look like I got little flowers today on my desk. <laughs> if I see my man doing this, I'm like, something's gone wrong with this man. We need to fix this situation. <laughs> so, you know, I care about the color of the blinds and the draperies. I buy candles and it's very different in how we manage households, what we want, how we feel, how we present ourselves and how we show up in relationships. So that's why the 50-50 dynamic, I call it depolarization. And so what happens in depolarization is that, oh, yeah, we're just hanging out. 50-50 is pretty much like a friendship or, or a dry partnership without attraction. Mm. Because when you live with a man and you're constantly in this 50-50 thing, who, as a feminine essence woman, I've talked to maybe thousands now of women. When I ask them, how do you want to feel in a relationship with a man? She says, I want to feel safe. I want to feel taken care of. What kind of men are you attracted to? Mm. Like all the listeners now, if you you know, if you're exploring this area, we are attracted to men who take charge, who know mm. what they want, and who lead the dynamic forward. Who tell you, Megan, I'll pick you up at eight tomorrow. Be ready. Where are we going? Don't worry about it. I got it. That's <laughs> yeah. what's attractive. And there's evolutionary psychology in there. So when you realize all of this and you know how to work with that, then we get into I called it freedom and role playing. I don't even know what, you know, what, what word is that? But then we get to the 100 slash 100. And 100, 100 is really about, look, this is still an equal partnership. I think a lot of women, there's a lot of misconceptions about feminine, masculine. And actually, these are just labels, honestly. They don't mean anything. It's like, w what is the context and the, the definition that you're putting into that? For me, it's just an explanation of, how men and women show up in relationships the 100 100 relationship that is polarized freedom and role playing is a relationship where you're definitely coming as equal partners if if you choose to pl play a feminine role it doesn't mean that you're this damsel in distress you're going to start making less money go into the woods and do flower crowns and make babies all the time and sit in the kitchen and make him you know pancakes mm. i mean you can if you <laughs> want to but that's not what i want you know I'm extremely ambitious. I have a lot of masculine energy. I use this in my business. But when it comes to my man, I want to surrender and let mm. go. We want to be taken. 
this is very very apparent in the bedroom and actually mm. polarity comes from the bedroom what i've mm. done well what i've done and maybe other people have done is taken that into a relationship because as much as we want to be taken and ravished and penetrated as women in the bedroom we want to be penetrated taken and ravished in the relationship mm. and so the ideal scenario for me is that 100 100 where we where we come as equal partners but we choose to play different roles understanding what is our natural essence what makes me happy how do i want to feel in a relationship so i can surrender lean back and feel safe and i allow my man to step up and hold that pole for me and hold that container where i could just relax and melt down in hi into his strong masculine arms and when i talk like this women intuitively feel a yes mm. to this dynamic and, yeah. and it's very deep and it's very raw sorry this was like a long-winded answer but <laughs> i hope this answers your your question yeah no i love it i can you know you're <laughs> free to, free to go on about all of it yeah. i really i really have loved the um personally the part about you know that you are very grounded like these you know we there is a lot of talk about masculine and feminine energy and you know while it is there there is this very energetic aspect but it it is also grounded in biology and um i live in a part of the world in the us where um in a you know there's a lot of community around me where there's actually debate around this and it can be really challenging to be around because people will literally debate our bi biology and mm -hmm. um it's <laughs> it honestly um you know baffles me a lot of the time uh because while we can dream and envision and you know create things and and change you know we have the potential to create different futures you know in a certain way anything's possible we also can't argue with the way that reality is right now and the way that our biology is um so i i really appreciate that about um you know that you bring that into like this grounded perspective yeah and that debate oh god honestly i'll tell you my solution to all of that i don't engage yeah debate. same because I do. <laughs> yeah there's no point and there is no point are continuing to debate will will always do that because there is a i don't want to say always but there is a hidden agenda there a lot of the times mm -hmm. it's driven by a lot of cultural factors and the feminist movement and yeah all of that stuff i just don't engage i know what's true for me i know what yeah. works for me what feels good and i know there's so many women <coughs> craving this and <coughs> not understanding what the problem is and when they get to understand and most importantly embody this way of being as a woman um uh, then everything changes so mm. i'm not here to convince anyone of anything yeah um, if they resonate with my work then be my guests let's have a conversation if you do you should look at my facebook comments on my ad on <laughs> facebook i i haven't looked at that in a year and i don't want to because i'm not here to convince you of anything again if you resonate yeah. please be my guest let's have a conversation see if this is for you if you don't there's always an unsubscribe unfollow delete yeah. button please do that yeah and and that's it that's the end of the conversation i'm open to a uh, a very respectful debate if somebody comes to me and said anna this is interesting i don't agree with you 
but I'm let's have a conversation totally open to that but I'm not open to any sort of bullying disrespect names I mean I've been called a sociopath Mm. you know my children have been cursed or whatever by these crazy people around and I'm like yeah please unsubscribe you're not welcomed here because I'm not available for that so Mm -hmm. for me it's it it has become very simple you know but it wasn't always like that definitely. Right. so i feel right. i feel for, for for you being in that environment especially if, if you're in the u.s and with everything that's going on for all the other women but yeah it's what you choose yeah so just out of curiosity you said this like what what do you see as some of their the all like their agendas with this you know alternative viewpoint mm. Well, I think a lot of the people, <clears throat> a lot of the people want attention, mm. right? Like we live in a world where there's Twitter and social media and all of that, and everybody has a voice and everybody has a platform, which I, which I think is extremely valuable and amazing that we live in a world like that today. But there's also a lot of garbage and a lot of noise. Yeah. And so now you don't freaking know who's talking, what are the credentials, um, and why and 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 it's a facade a lot of the times right so you don't know anybody can say anything and who do you believe so we live in in the very in crazy mm-hmm. times today so i think that one of the reasons is people want attention and want a voice and yeah. so they see these controversial subjects as something that brings them that attention and creates a lot of momentum um, right, and they feed on that momentum instead of going deep inside and figuring out their stuff and um, mm. who am I and what do I want. And instead of wasting my time trolling the internet or trying to prove my point or whatever, like <sighs> this is a very complicated subject, Megan. Yeah, of course. <laughs> social activism, <laughs> social justice. You know, a lot of people I know would argue with me, but. Everybody is just so unique and my personal journey. And you look, I, I always try to put myself in the other person's shoes. And obviously I have my own limitations and my beliefs and all of that. But I also come from a country that is, as I mentioned, the poorest country in Europe. And a lot of the stuff that I see in America and Western countries being discussed for me, well, this is Maslow hierarchy of needs. I grew up in a society where it's like, I don't have enough money to buy a new pair of shoes. Mm. And so social justice and social activism and democracy and all of that and gender. In fact, so I'll share with you. Oh, I forgot to share with you this woman. Well, you probably, uh, I need to interview Camille Paglia. She's an educator and uh, a professor definitely on you know in the lines of everything so she's a researcher and she's she's incredible an incredible intellectual part of the dark web you know intellectual Mm. dark web so really interesting when she did her research she talks about civilizations that civilizations and societies that have reached a level of high development Mm. in terms of um, uh, politics and economic structures and everything. I mean, if we look at the U.S., the, you know, the most developed country in the world with a lot of economic c- potential. I don't know what I'm talking about, but this is just based on, you know, what I've read and everything. She, through her research, when you look at all of these civilizations, when they've achieved greatness and flourishment, a lot of these civilizations end actually with a lot of gender conflicts. Mm-hmm. I have heard this. 
I have heard this. Yeah. 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 I forgot about it, but it's, yeah, it's fascinating. And it's a little, it's a little, like, it kind of gives me goosebumps, but not in a nice way. Yeah. I see it in my own country and, and it, and really it's in my face, like in the, like near the community I live in. And it's like, it's a little disturbing. Mm-hmm to me yeah because you know why because people have nothing else to do with their lives then you know all the problems are fixed we have the pills for it we have enough money to pretty much buy whatever the hell we want we have netflix and it's like you just sit there and you're like shit i'm just gonna talk about how do i feel today i feel like a woman and then tomorrow i feel like a man let me go and explore all these you know so it's like you get into this, and look, I'm not saying this is not important, this spectrums and everything, but my own personal experience, you know, even when we talk about race and all of these mm. things, and obviously, as I said, we have so many different backgrounds, but I grew up in a society where women were never looked down upon as inferior because mm. I grew up in a post, in a in Soviet Union where women will look at as comrades. You produce, you show up, you're a body. It doesn't matter whether you're a wet man or what you produce and you're a comrade. That's it. You know, I grew up in a society where I did not witness that flourishment, where everybody was white. So for me, there was no division in anything. And so <coughs> so I think that leads into that, you know, in prosperous mm-hmm. countries and societies, when you've reached that, survi- your survival needs are covered. It's like you go up and up and up and then yeah. start kind of as a society going into esoterical concepts that are not very grounded because you don't deal with all these problems of survival um there's a lot of thing here um another thing here in terms of feminism right because Mm -hmm. feminism went through many different waves and the feminism how it started so i'm i'm gonna raise my hand and i'm gonna say i'm a feminist in the true sense of what Mm -hmm. feminism really is which is women are equal members of society that deserve equal opportunities and be um you know have to be treated fairly of course absolutely who who would actually disagree with that unless you're a radical or extremist or whatever and that's actually equity feminism um and so through the waves of feminism it actually it went to a point where it went beyond that it went beyond women just wanting equal rights to women being angry Mm. being betrayed by men in the past and wanting revenge and so when I talk about hidden agendas yep. and women want to succeed, and there's a lot of that stuff that's um, behind that. But as I said, this is super, super complicated. <laughs> so I just touched upon a little bit. But yeah. there's so much, you know, people like Jordan B. Peterson, people like Camille Paglia, Joe Rogan, uh, Christina Hoff Summers, Danielle Crittenden, some of them. Well, Danielle I interviewed on my podcast. This is called the intellectual dark web. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that is being discussed and there's amazing people who actually are very grounded in these understandings and uh, are the balance of whatever the crazy world that yeah. <laughs> we're dealing with, especially with gender <laughs> and all that. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because I have heard that before this um, and, and it makes so much sense. Like when, when these societies have been like America and some Western societies are now like you know, having all this discussion about gender and, and everything, it's like um, that, yeah, there's usually a decline happening around then. Because we we do generally, I mean, even our homeless have their needs met to, you know, it's not like an ideal situation, but like we have 
a um you know in all grand scheme terms like a pretty successful wealthy nation <laughs> yeah um, yeah and yeah. the homeless in fact here in australia because i asked string how does that work mm. a lot of the homeless people actually get money from the government yeah you know it's like when you live in an amazing country like us or in australia there is opportunity mm-hmm. and there's a choice that y- you actually make a choice yeah. most of the time i'm not saying all i mean yeah again such a complicated discussion yes, yes. that requires hours and hours but I come from a country where there is no choice. Like literally nobody nobody gives a damn. And you do not have the opportunity or a choice to get into a good school, to get education, to get a, a job. Everything is very, very corrupt. And so if you're homeless in a country like Moldova, where I come from, then literally you're homeless and there's no opportunity for mm-hmm. you. Where, for example, in a country like Australia you would get subsidies from the government and you would actually get government housing and mm-hmm. all that, you know. And it's like a lot of people choose yeah. to live that kind of a life. And so, yeah, it's 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 really, really different. And I feel like that is the part that I, I think I, I bring to my work and having that background, live, lived in the U.S., yeah. lived all over the world. And so maybe it brings in that kind of grounded perspective a little bit. Um, where I see the both worlds, you know, I lived in the communist society and then I lived in a very democratic society. So mm. I try to always look at every single situation as two sides of the coin, even the most controversial ones like Trump yeah. and, you know, gender issues and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I found that when I traveled a lot, it gave a lot of perspective. Um, just, mm. yeah, moving back here as well. Um so okay I have a couple other questions I wanted to ask you um let's see here so oh yeah so your business and brand from all outward appearance (laughs) seems to be growing quite rapidly and of course um you know I know obviously it takes many years and a lot of work behind the scenes to get where you're at now and you know you talk about this um you know, like the lie of female success and having to do it all or to have it all. Um, Another small subject. (laughs) Um, But, you know, from outward appearance, it seems like you like you have figured it out. You know, you have a successful business. um, You have a family um, like you're you're doing really well. And so what would you say about this and how do you balance it in a, you know, fairly harmonious and embodied way how do I balance what the female success yes the success I I suppose the success that you do have like it's you know you have this very thriving business relationship family all of the all of the things Mm. well sometimes I don't Megan and that's the reality a woman who you're right the outward that what's out there is is what you see and look I I actually had a discussion with Jenna uh, about about this because I felt you know when you look at my Instagram in the last year I felt a pull back to 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 sharing Mm -hmm. about me and my journey and I felt like I have to, I have to come and be extremely authentic and share my troubles and 
my team and everything. So I've gone through a massive growth through the last, you know, last year, six, 18 months. Um, I'm talking about 10x growth in terms of business um, and, and income and all of that. So, and Jim and I talked about this concept of leadership. And so I definitely stepped into the next journey and exploration of my leadership where actually my Instagram is not about me and mm. that my work is not about me. It's about the work. Mm. And so in essence, like when you look at externally, do I have it all? But probably yes, right? I mean, objectively speaking, yes. I have a very thriving mm -hmm. business. I have an amazing husband. I have a family. And I have a really great life and friends and family. And, and I do mm -hmm. what I love. Yeah, on, on the paper, it, it, it looks very good and, and amazing. And as a woman, I made it. But, of course, I talk very openly about the burnout cycles that I went through in the last yeah. year, right? 10x growth, uh, being a woman in business, is extremely demanding and hard. And at some points, I'll be honest with you, I had to sit down and say, do I live according to my truth that I, that yeah. I preach? You know, do, do I, do I uh, walk my talk in that sense? You know, here I am telling women to surrender and relax and let go. And the next day I show up on five, six discovery calls, mm. you know, and I feel totally burned out and exhausted. So that's been a personal exploration <laughs> of mine. Um, but I can tell you that, I mean, look, you, you can't have it all. And that's really the life female success yeah. that I'm very, very aware. And you have to be very careful in terms of how you play with that. I had to make a lot of decisions that did not feel good because you always because I'm extremely ambitious and there's a lot of masculine energy in me how do I balance that you know because mm -hmm. there's and you know yeah. I constantly talk about this on the podcast I ask my guests about it, like how do I do this you know I had a conversation on my podcast where I said hell like I want to create a seven-figure business mm. I want to live the life that I want to live and I want to live it now and I want to have the children and I want to feel amazing and I want to you know I want it all and so but I also know that as a as a woman and as a mother and a wife like I can't I'm not a man I can't go like a train and so that's why always for me my feminine embodiment practice and my coaching and the depth first structure second what I preach and teach has been extremely like that's the foundation of of everything how do I balance I balance with that and sometimes I don't balance sometimes mm. you know like today Megan I've been on call since 8 a.m right now it's past 1 p.m we're talking about five hours and I'm 30 weeks pregnant and so I'm not going to sit, sit here and say oh yeah life is amazing and I feel relaxed and everything like <laughs> every woman finds her own way but yeah. I know that in the morning when I wake up I do my morning pages I do my feminine flow practice um, that really keeps me out of my head keeps me grounded I feel good um, my man takes care of my toddler we do this business together and if it doesn't feel good and I'm exhausted I'm I'm always working on what is this about how can I support myself how can I delegate how can mm. I not be that workhorse and I can tell you that in terms of business I've got now in August I'm planning maternity leave and I'm planning three months mm. off completely I mean of course I'm not going to be a hundred percent off but <laughs> we've been working really hard especially in the last six months to build a team a team that can support me and okay. you know 
Actually, to be honest with you right now, I don't work on Mondays. I mean, I, I do maybe one or two hours, and then I go to a pregnancy group. I can come back, and I really focus on things that I want to do. I have a massage every two weeks. After this call, I'm going to a facial. Mm. You know, Fridays are our fun days with my husband, which means there's scheduled sex and intimacy. On weekends, I don't work, you know, <laughs> like all of that. Mm -hmm. Now I'm creating time for maternity leave. And after maternity leave, I'm planning to be behind the scenes and maybe step into like a mastermind offer mm -hmm. where I don't have to work that much. But when you're doing business, you have to be real also about, about the fact that it is a lot of work and a lot of the times it is about numbers, but you also have to be real. Like I can do a maximum of five discovery calls a day where all of these guys that are doing sales and building mm -hmm. these like multi-million dollar business, they do eight to ten. Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> like, yeah. it's it's impossible, I'm going to die. And so, <sighs> you know, I wish I had an answer for you, but that is my answer. I show up, I do my practice, I feel I have a coach, I have girlfriends. I do work that really nourishes me. Yeah. You know, yesterday we had a group coaching session and I guided these women through a mm -hmm. pleasure practice. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I want to see these comments and... It feels rich and some days are really shit. Some days I don't want to be here. Some days I'm crying. But I think I've gotten to a place where um, there is a good routine. And I also want to mention, Megan, very important, I think for women in business. Mm. If you have polarity in your relationship, even if your man is not involved in your business, things are so much easier for you. Yeah. Because... And I mean, this is actually relevant for every single woman, but b business compared to careers is very different. As you know, Megan, you're on 24-7. Yeah. When you have a career, you're like, show up at nine, be done at five or maybe six, seven, sometimes eight. But, but then you like switch off and then you have your own life. When you do your business, you're always on. Yeah. And so when you're always <laughs> on and you come home to parent your man and you can't surrender and relax with him or he's like, I got it. Oh, that is the worst. Well, mm. at least in my experience, a lot of women who are in business come to me and they're like, I need to fix my relationship because I know if I don't, my you don't have enough energy to put into your business because you come home and then you start to, to take care of everybody else, especially mm. if you're a mother. So if you fix that polarity in your relationship, then at least you know that I've worked bloody eight to ten hours and now I come home and I can just relax and surrender and let mm. my man be. Yeah. I love that. I love your response because, um, you know, it's, it's true and it's, and it's, you know, no, I don't know that any human has it all figured out, you know, no matter how successful we are or how, you know, perfect things look, um, you know, we're, we're all human and it's like, <clears throat> there it, it's, it's a process and there's this, um, I think part of it is this, there is this like <clears throat> natural like expansion and contraction or ebb and flow of like, yeah, expanding into doing more and then getting to a point of exhaustion or burnout and then contracting more into like, oh, relaxing and surrender. And not that it always has to be an extreme, but it, but it is, you know, a lot of times it's like breathing, you know, it's a lot of part of the process, you know. Mm -hmm. It's a cycle, so, you know, yes. and as women we yeah. are connected to, not only our month cycles, but also we go through seasons and sometimes 
you know, you, you got to let it go and say no to a lot of, I say no all the time right now because Mm -hmm. I know who I am and I know what's important. And most importantly, I think in this journey of female success, as long as you stay grounded in the knowing that your value doesn't come from your achievements or your business or income, like I do not attach myself to the six, seven figure income, you know, and it's like, if it doesn't work, it does, of course it's going to suck, you know, Mm. but I know that my man will be able to take care of me and, and our family, no matter what, he'll just get a job. Like it's as simple as that, you know? Mm. Um, so I think that's that it's like decoupling yourself from that. What is my, I talked to a disco- on a discovery call with a woman today and she's like, well, if I don't produce and I don't show up the numbers and I don't lead, what's my value? Mm. Like, yeah. what do I bring to the table? Like, that's a big problem. <laughs> if, if that's all you bring to the table yeah. is like numbers and leading in your certifications, that's a deeply rooted belief within you as a woman that needs to be fixed as soon as possible. Yeah. So I believe that I have fixed it for myself. Um, hopefully, of course, there's always work to be done. Mm. But as long as I stay true to that, yeah, then my clients feel that. And as long as I stay true to the number one priority for me in the business, which is client success and client results, mm. then everything I believe will, will fix itself. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think we're getting close to time. So I wanted to just ask um, a couple more quick questions, but sure. um, I like to ask everyone I interview this question. So who or what is your greatest source of inspiration? I mean, there's many things that I get inspired from. I get inspired a lot from my clients, Mm. you know, from the women that we work with, um, from the dedication to the work and them showing up and them having these big realizations and taking your work to a completely different level to like going on dates and doing their funnel Mm. and showing up to do their flow. Like, oh, when I read the posts in the Facebook group, it's, that's extremely inspiring for me and that's why I move forward and then I go forward and I want to give more and I want to support and hold space. So definitely the women that we work with. What's inspiring for me and that's all part of the femininity and womanhood rediscoveries. <coughs> the, um, for me right now, fashion, fashion style mm. and makeup. Um, I am signed up to like a few courses and I can't wait to get my hands on it. <laughs> and I, you know, fashion and style has been a journey for me for the past couple of years, but I've just, oh my God, Megan, it's crazy. I've never been a woman who's like followed on Instagram, but there's this one girl who I follow. She's <laughs> Russian. Okay. She's like, uh, I've, t- I don't know how many thousands of dollars I spent with her, but literally like she launched her line of blazers. Mm from italy or whatever they're like four hundred dollars okay like expensive and her launch was yesterday and she had like three days of pre-order and then you like gotta follow and like a like a you know last night i get i i got home and my man is like with a toddler child screaming i'm like hang on i need to do something and i'm like you know the blazers are sold out and i'm like what's happening and then i'm buying it like a crap you know it's like oh god i can't even you know so i'm (laughs) It's funny, but it's it's that part of me that distracts myself from from the work and the business. And 
I get inspired by because I'm connected to my femininity and my desire for color and texture and you know like the flowers and that's mm-hmm. what inspires me because I'm, I'm a huge proponent of sur- as a woman surround yourself with beauty that's why mm-hmm. I told you this background is like <laughs> I want to die I want to get out of here as soon as possible like I see flowers <laughs> and I want to read so that's what's inspiring to me I feel excited about that um nature you know we live by the beach finally we moved it's like six minutes Mm. to the beach although I'm I'm very very busy during the day but being in nature being in we moved to a place that has a lot of lush um nature like palm trees and it's warm and water and beach great food a glass of wine candles you know my Mm. man I'm inspired by a lot of people who do this work um you know like jenna obviously constantly inspired by her yeah and just by inspired by life you know Mm. i think it's um my purpose here something that i learned from jenna which was transformational is the purpose of life is to experience life to the fullest Mm -hmm. and that's what i live here for i don't have you know what are the money for what is what are we doing this for? I want to travel the world and visit every chef's table restaurant that I saw on Netflix. <laughs> I already visited one in Sydney. That experience is still in my body. I still oh, no. can't forget it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to see beautiful things. I want to create babies and beautiful things with my man. And I want to show up show up fully. Yeah. Mm. Well, speaking of that, so the last question, how do you – um, envision planning your your uh, maternity leave with your family and your new new little one yeah good question how do I envision well I envision <laughs> taking off first up um, you know last time <clears throat> I'm actually looking forward to enjoying it this time I'm not sure obviously every baby is different you don't know what you're going to be dealt with in terms of sleep and whatever, but when, you, when you're a first-time mom, you have no idea what you're doing. You're constantly sleep-deprived. You're like, well, who is this baby? For three months, I had a baby that I was taking care of, and I did not feel a connection. Mm. I mean, I did kind of feel like I, I felt a duty to change her nappies and feed her, and I feel like you just have to do it, and I know String felt the same. So I was not that mother who instantly felt that, oh, this is my child, and mm. Death. No, it came to me after about three months where mm. it's like it just hits you and you're like, oh my God, I would kill for this little mm. human, you know? But I I didn't enjoy it. I didn't know what I was doing. Everything was happening fast and everything. Now I'm much more prepared because I know what to expect, al- yeah. although you don't. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it in terms of, you know, that experience of breastfeeding and everything. So. I'm planning to take off and we're training the team now and really moving into the direction of me stepping off about four weeks before I'm due so I can prepare for labor. I I plan a home birth. Mm -hmm. I have a midwife and a doula, which is going to be interesting in itself. Um, And then after that, I plan to take uh, two months off with with the baby uh, where I'm out. Um, But knowing me, Megan, I think I'm just going to get the bug off all right, I need to do something besides changing nappies. <laughs> all right. My breasts leaking all the time and like, okay, I'm kind of done with this baby stuff. Um, but obviously I'll be with the baby and everything. And then and then we'll see. I plan to 
work on bigger, longer projects, um, mm. creating a different offer, which is a deeper mastermind with women who have seen a lot of success in the program. Mm. Super excited about that and actually getting into coaching again, maybe some throwing in some one-on-ones. I'm going to write a book. Mm. Um, planning to do that. And then revamp the program. So working on an updated version 2.0 based on all the feedback and the success and everything. So, I mean, I know you asked me about maternity leave, but for <laughs> me, it's like, what's coming after that? Yeah. And, you know, a mother of two is a very different, like, I am looking forward and curious about who is that version of me mm. that's going to be there with two children, a thriving business, living here. So it's, it's, it's quite new to me. And it's that growth and that expansion and that next level. So we'll see how that goes because it's very mm. unpredictable. There's a lot of uncertainty, but I do have my practice that helps me with staying yeah. grounded and <laughs> being okay <laughs> with the uncertainty and what's coming. Exactly. Oh. Well, Anna, it has been such a pleasure with you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Um, for our listeners, if you want to find out more about Anna and her work, you can go to uh, girlskill.com backslash webinar. That's G-I-R-L-S-K-I-L-L.com slash webinar. And, or look for her podcast called Claimed. Until next time. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Megan. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. I also have a special free gift for all of my listeners. Just go to meganhart.coach slash gift. That's M-E-G-A-N-H-A-R-T dot C-O-A-C-H slash G-I-F-T. All my love to you. Until next time.